Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vodcast TV. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I am the owner of Vodcast TV. Now, have you ever watched a podcast and thought to yourself, well, I can do that? Well, yes, you absolutely can. Now, if you've ever thought, well, mm, actually, I can't. I don't know anything about cameras, microphones, and all that sort of technical stuff that's required to host a podcast. Well, now you don't have to, thanks to Vodcast TV. Vodcast TV is a shared vodcast studio platform for individuals and businesses to tell their own story. It's a shared studio on a permanent basis where individuals and businesses can come in and book space in the studio with their very own sound engineer, with all the cameras and lights and microphones and everything taken care of for you so you don't have to worry about any of the technical issues. You simply sit down, have a wonderful space for you to invite your guests to have a chat with and host your very own podcast. It's as simple as that. Located at the premium Rosebank Mall in Johannesburg, Vodcast TV Studio is absolutely set up specifically to do just this. Exceptionally beautiful and clear-sounding precise podcasts. You won't regret it. Visit vodcasttv.com right now. That's vodcasttv.com. Right, my guest today is Kyle Fanderscape. He's a content creator, a social media guru, a photographer, and much, much more, as well as soon to be the host of his very own podcast. We chat a little bit about that and more in today's podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Give it up for Kyle Fanderscape. A revolution is a fundamental and relatively sudden change in political power. An organization which occurs when the population revolts. revolts. This is the Marco Martins Revolution, powered by Vodcast TV. Visit VodcastTV.com for more. Carl Fanderscape, welcome to the podcast. You have to say podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank Mr. Carl Fanderscape. What up, dude? What's up? What's up, man? Thanks for joining me. Episode one. Congrats. Thank you, brother. Congrats on the awesome studio, man. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. That's dope. And uh, speaking of the awesome studio, I'm excited for you to come and start your podcast here. Oh, yeah, 100%, dude. And you let me choose my own lights even, so the color. <laughs> you know what? Um, you're going to be the only person who's going to be able to choose their own lights. Ah. Uh, there we go. Now people watching on YouTube can see the lights that we're talking about. Thank yeah, you man. so much, man. Appreciate it, man. I'm very, very excited. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Obviously, I didn't have the capacity or the ideas that you had to bring something like this to life. So I'm also a procrastinator. So I'm very excited to actually be creating a couple episodes, getting a couple well-known photographers, people in the industry, in studio, and asking them the kind of questions that people have been afraid to ask. Well, luckily, Vodcast TV is something I started as exactly this. It's a shared podcast studio platform. Yeah. There's quite a few people like you who've been wanting to get into podcasting, maybe don't know a lot about microphones. You luckily know a lot about lights and cameras. So you would have had that yeah, element 100%. done. You also have a lot of knowledge of, of the digital side of things 
and you also have the patience to sit and Google how to register this, how to do that, whatever, whatever, and whatever services to use. Yeah. So at least you'd have that. But from the microphone standpoint and just building a studio space, having a quiet space, reverb proof, etc., that's where you haven't gone and put the effort in to do it. That's it, yeah. And hence the application we have now is you and many other people have an opportunity to use a space that's adequate for podcasting with a full-time engineer and everything. Yeah, I think that's that's the amazing thing about this. Um, I did a little bit of research and it kind of scared me on the idea of how much it would cost. First of all, the acoustics around it, the overall element of like making it look as good as you've made it look. I mean, like you say, I know what you know it looks like um, or I know my lighting and my cameras and, you know, videography and so on. But, man, it takes so much time and space to actually create what you've created here. Yeah, thanks, man. I think what's, what's very difficult is to dedicate the space. Yes. So I think there's different tiers that you can do a podcast. I think anyone can do a podcast. It depends what kind of level of podcast you want to do. You can do a podcast from your phone. Yeah, true. You can do it on an airplane, in a hotel room, in your bedroom. You can do a podcast in many different ways. But to, to get a space that you can have guests, that your sound quality is going to be superb every time, and that you're, you've got a permanent video setup. Yeah. I think it's quite cool. 100% dude and like I said I'm so stoked to be bringing people here you've got this amazing space it looks so professional and the idea that we've got our own engineer that's going to be able to put all of this together we're going to be able to stream live to YouTube we're going to be able to have live Q&As through our cell phones when we're doing you know on Instagram simultaneously whilst you're pushing this through to YouTube I think it's going to be amazing like the content that we're bringing and the kind of education, the, the audience that we're going to be attracting as well. This is something that everybody in South Africa has been demanding for. And unfortunately, we're always subscribing and following our American you know, fellow people, the, the guys who are in the same industry. And uh, we're able to now bring the relevant content that is associated with South Africans. And I think it's probably because our market's pretty small. It's, yeah. It is difficult for as a South African to go and create content, first of all. Um, second of all, it's it's difficult to get enough people to follow that content to keep you motivated, to exactly. keep you going at it, etc. And that's why people just go to the American content because they've got the following, etc. So yeah. they keep at it. But I think it's an opportunity for South Africans because we are, we are so skilled here. We are so talented. We have a lot to say. We have a lot of knowledge. And I think it's an opportunity for South Africans to reach further around the world. And I think that's one thing that digital has brought us. 100%. I agree 100%. Yeah, I think, you know, um, like we always say, I think everybody believes this, that South, uh, South Africans are, you know, three years, five years behind everybody else. And although we've been following the people who are either our mentors or people who we idolize in that certain industry or genre, I think we just didn't have the capacity to do this. I mean, what you've put into this studio alone, you know, for a freelancer like myself, it would be so risky to do. So that's where, where you've kind of bridged that gap now where, you know, somebody who wanted to create content or wanted to do something specific with, you know, podcasts or vodcasts or creating that content and delivering it to their followers, you've bridged that gap now where they don't need to take that risk and go and try and create this amazing space that you've done. And they're able to now 
stop worrying about that and they can start worrying about the content that they're going to be delivering. I think what I, I like about it is it's a trend definitely in the mold of where the world's going. Yeah. If you see the shared office space, how that's growing and how that's helping smaller businesses, SMEs, small entrepreneurs, people to actually get an official office space yeah. without having to fork out first and last month's rental and sign a lease for two years. Yeah. They can get a small shared office space, share a lot of the costs with other people. And that's sort of the concept here as well. But let's get into your podcast. I don't know how much thought you've put into it. I know you've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time. But now that you're going to start one, we know that your first episode's coming up soon. What are we thinking for names? What's your podcast going to be called? We have no idea, man. <laughs> we have no idea. Um, like I said, I think majority of us who are going to be renting this space, I think we've been so fixated on the idea of what to do first. We haven't even taken ourselves or our minds to the idea of, okay, what is it going to be called? So okay, let's just, let's figure it out now. Let's figure it out. We're going to brainstorm show. now. Let's brainstorm right now. Let's figure <laughs> oh, out something for your show now. Oh, man. So obviously the Carl Fanderscape podcast, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, but you are a brand. You're a big part of your own brand. Yeah, I think I've built a, a decent brand around my name, um, which only recently happened. I think within the last year, I changed my name from Scafeness, which I was called in high school. My nickname Scafe, which um, I really liked. I thought that was a really cool Instagram handle. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I actually created another Instagram just to save that name. I think oh, I did. you did. Really? Yeah, in case, <laughs> just in case. So I think I do have it somewhere there, just literally just anchoring around. Um, I hope so. I think I did. And um, I just you literally... You know what? Now that we're saying Scafeness, I really like that, the Scafeness podcast. The Scafeness. I think, I think it sounds cool, but for anybody that has recently followed me as Carl van der Scaife, I don't know if they would associate themselves with that. Right, I understand. Whereas other people, yeah, when I changed my name to Carl van der Scaife, then they're like, oh, what happened to Scafeness and this and that. So it's, it's a really cool name. It's a consideration that we could definitely do. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've tried to build my own name now, very, very kind of idolize it around the brand of mm. my name so that when people hear it, they know who the, it is. Well, you are the brand. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the thing with very independent entrepreneurs like yourself yeah. is that you actually are the brand. People associate your work with you. Yeah. Uh, you, you couldn't go book another photographer for an event and then sell it as, hey, Carl van der Skaif. Yeah. For, it yeah. just doesn't work with photography. Yeah. No, 100% agree. And I think that was the one thing that I was worried about, actually, when I did move over, because as Skaifness, you're kind of like a hidden identity. Right. So, you know, when I would get together with photo communities and meetups and things like that, I'd be like, hey, what's up? I'm Carl van der Skaif. And I'm like, okay, cool. Then I'm like, okay, my name's Skaifness. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, followed you, this right, and this and this. Right, so right, it was right. almost like this little bit of a pseudonym, like, you know, you can hide and you can get away from things and so on. But that was another reason why I wanted to change it because there's a lot of photographers out there who run by these aliases and these other names. And I feel like there's no credibility involved with that. I think from a corporate standpoint as well, yeah. you're unfortunate to to be Carl Fanderscape and the associations of marijuana usage <laughs> <laughs> in a corporate world. Who's this guy, Scafeness? Yeah, yeah, who's exactly. coming out to do photos for our yeah, event. Exactly. A stoner. <laughs> or do we want to be associated with that as a brand? Yeah, can you imagine the approaching the CEO? Yeah, yeah, we got this guy, Scafeness. He'd like laugh you out of the room. So, so yeah, I think uh, in South Africa we were a bit further behind in terms of our acceptance of marijuana. Exactly, yeah. and I mean, scave 
I mean, as us Afrikaans people and so on, it, it makes a lot more sense. Whereas scafeness in America, it would be a different situation. Right, I understand. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been trying to build the brand up. I think Kalf and a scafe vodcast, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Daily life of Carl, I don't know. Okay, yeah, it's, that works. We could sit here all day. We could sit here all day. So now, obviously, a lot of, a lot of people who don't know you um, they've now obviously gathered that you're a photographer. Yeah. Uh, that's your main business. You transitioned into your own photography business how many years ago now? Um, I think it's six or seven, hey? Let's hear that story. Tell, talk us through what you were doing before. Oh, man. Whoa. It makes me feel old. But um, about six or seven, eight years ago even, um, I was a graphic designer. So I left school. I was like the D student in school. Um, always took everything as a joke. So I decided I didn't even know what I wanted to study. So literally on the last minute.com, I decided, okay, I'm going to be a graphic designer. I was always the artsy type of person. I was never the whole lawyer or accountants and so on. And uh, decided to go study graphic design. I was doing that for a couple of years. Absolutely hated it. And uh, one month I got let go as a graphic designer. I moved from company to company to company and as a side hustle, I started photography, thank goodness, because, um, yeah, I got let go as a graphic designer, and that was the stage when I said to my girlfriend at the time that I'm going to try and make this work. I'm going to give myself three months. Luckily, I was a very, very wise person. I didn't spend every cent that I made, and I had a couple, you know, a little bit saved away, mm-hmm. and I said, I've got three months to use this money until I'm broke. So let me see what I can do with this camera that I currently own and right. see if I can actually make an income from it. Luckily also at the time, I mean, I must state that I was living with my folks still, paying right, small right, amounts right, right, right. of rent yeah, and, you know, yeah. paying for the car insurance and that, but you didn't have these thick amounts of bills. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just started from there. I started working with people I knew, associated myself with friends and anybody who might need a, a photographer. And uh, yeah, fast forward six, seven, eight years to today. And I've worked with some powerful, powerful brands. Very blessed to have met the kind of people and networked with the kind of people in the industry that I just have a really strong relationship with. And I'm hoping that it just carries on. Now, beyond that, um, you are also seen as a bit of a social media guru. Yeah. Uh, Not because you look to transition into social media or anything like that, but because you saw the effect social media had on your business when you started using social media and Instagram in particular yeah. to grow your business and your following as a photographer. Uh, obviously, Instagram's not going to be as effective for other industries as it was for you. Yeah. Photography on a photo app makes mm. a lot of sense. Yes. But you sort of learned a lot of ins and outs into social media and that's also a big part of your business now as well. Yeah, so, um, I mean, like you said... And that's what I tell all of my clients because I actually run a, a, a side hustle to my, my actual photography now. Side hustle to the side hustle. Exactly. And eventually, you know, the side hustle always takes over. Um, but yeah, so I do a little bit of social media marketing and management. And for every single one of my clients that do come on board, I always tell them like, look, every single person's results differ. And um, I mean, with a photographer... It just seems to work. Like you said, it's a photo app. People go on there to see and look at photos and it just seemed to work. And I would say about two years ago, um, I had been on Instagram for years and I'd been on like two, 3,000 followers. 
I decided one month I'm going to take this really serious and see what it can do for me. And within a 12-month period, I went from three or 4,000 followers up to about eighteen or 19,000. And that was just by focusing on the various methods, learning on YouTube, reading around on Google and so on in terms of what works and what doesn't. And I just started realizing that the benefits of social media, especially for a photographer or somebody who runs their own business, it's just crazy, man. I mean... And did that outweigh Google, et cetera, for you? Yeah. Thousands and thousands of times of percentages. Yeah, like I don't use Google AdWords. I don't, I don't really focus on SEO or anything like that. Um, my mainstream of income right now is coming through either Instagram or word of mouth. And sometimes both. Sometimes somebody will just, you know, speak highly of me or they'll recommend me or refer me to someone, um, refer me to someone. And they'll literally just jump onto my Instagram and they'll see my work and it speaks for itself. And then it's just, it's game over. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just started realizing that if you can build a massive network on this platform, it's game over. Right. So photography... Uh, Instagram, social media, and now a podcast. Yeah. You're very much a media-orientated business now. And although, as I said in the very beginning, Carl Vanderscape, you are the brand, you are the business, uh, you are sort of branching into this, this direction of becoming a media company. You, for now, you're facilitating all the work yourself, you're doing all the creative yourself, but where does that stop? Is there a vision in the future of sort of bringing more on board and, and taking it further? I mean, I try and take it one step at a time. I try not to think too far ahead mm-hmm. because it tends to paralyze you in terms of moving forward. Sometimes when you start, I, I, everybody should be planning. But sometimes we plan so much in depth that it actually paralyzes us from actually going anywhere. I mean, if you start thinking about, okay, where am I going to grow my company? Where do I start? Do I start with an admin lady or do I get a second photographer? Do I get more gear or do I do this? Do I do this or do I do this? And eventually you're just running around in circles. And um, so for now, I mean, I just recently hired a new editor for myself so that whilst I'm doing something like this, I have my photos being edited. Um, I do have somebody else starting in 2020 that wants to start working under my brand. Um, they're more interested in working under my brand and learning from me than just going on and freelancing for themselves. So that is something that I, I'm definitely looking at doing in the near future, branching out in a way of having more team members. Um, but I mean, I don't know if I'm going to ever move on to something else and right. stop doing one thing. Um, I'm, I'm more about having a little, a, a few crumbs from every pie rather than just having one pie. Right, so let's talk about your podcast. What are we going to expect from it? What are, we, what are we looking at? You're obviously a photographer. A big part of your interest is the models you photograph. Yeah. Um, and a lot of your following, you would think, because you photograph a lot of models, it's people who want to look at models. But actually, a lot of your following is models themselves yeah. who are interested in, in either your work with other models or learning from those models as well. So you looking at doing photography, modeling, media, what can people expect? I think, um, you know, in one explanation, I want to give everybody everything. Right. 
Um, I think, you know, I want to, I don't want to specify and just kind of aim to please one set of audience. I would love to kind of give an in-depth idea of everything around what I'm involved in and what I know. Um, so in, in terms of the actual content that we're going to be delivering, I would like to talk a little bit about social media, um, you know, helping people grow their Instagram, helping people benefit from online platforms, whether it's Instagram, a new app that's just launched that creatives are going crazy about called Dayflash. Um, you know, how you can... haven't even heard about that one. You haven't even heard about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's pretty crazy. But uh, that'll be for another podcast. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, like... No, it's not going to be for another... What's Dayflash? <laughs> I don't know now. So Dayflash is pretty much... I wouldn't say similar to Instagram because it's, it's not targeting just Instagrammers. I would say it's a little bit of YouTube slash Instagram. It's full screen mode all the time, which is great. Mm-hmm. So you literally, when you upload your images it's always full screen. So you get this really great user experience. So you're right. seeing really beautiful images full screen. And um, there's no algorithms. There's nothing stopping you from seeing who you follow's work. Yeah. And they're, actu- they're actually punting certain photographers or creatives who, when they notice a spike in the trend of that photo, they just literally start pushing it out to all of the users on the platform. Right. And uh, so, yeah, so that's something new. It's in its early stages, but I'm excited to see where it's going. And yeah, um, you know, we're going to touch bases on social media. We're going to touch bases on interviewing a couple of photographers, especially people who do different kinds of photography. So, you know, for example, somebody who literally kind of specializes in car photography, who shoots 30 million rand cars, um, talk us a little bit about how he got into it, why he shoots it, how does he make money from it, how did he get into the first experience, and then maybe a few tips, um, you know, get him on board here and show people who are actually interested in that. And yeah, so I want to touch bases with different photographers in different genres because there is something for everybody out there. And here, speaking about models the whole day, that might not, you know, no, pertain to every single person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then obviously the side, the side part of photography in general, which would kind of be how to run your own successful business. And I'm looking at hopefully getting a couple, either a photographer, makeup artist, very successful people who have been doing this for not very a long time, more like a short time, but they've made a success in a short time. Because I mean, especially the youth these days, they all want fast results. Right. And not to say that it's not possible, but I want to bring on people who have had that kind of success rate in a short period of time. Right, I understand. Yeah. Right, so we're talking podcasts, we're talking your media company. Let's talk social media. Let's, let's get some tips out there for people who want to grow their stuff on social media. I think you're really one of the real experts to come and have a chat with. I'm starting a new business what are we going for? What do we do? Uh, let's let's use an example. So someone who has a real estate company, someone who's a real estate agent or has a real estate company, what are your top tips? I think for a real estate agent or a company, um, you know, in terms of online presence, it's really, really important to first get discovered by people. So for every new client that comes on board with me, I always say, who is your target audience, number one? You need to first differentiate who is your target audience. 
you can't be sending out your information or your content to every single person that's on social media. Right. You know, if, if you're targeting a 55-year-old auntie that lives in Bloom, but you're setting up real estate in Rosebank and you're kind of looking for bachelors and bachelorettes who want to live in a one-bedroom or a, a studio apartment, your success rate is going to be very, very little. So... Yeah, I mean, like, first of all, you've got to differentiate and specify who's your target audience. Number two, once we establish who that is, then we start working on campaigns, content creation, and, you know, the right kind of media that will get sent across to those kind of people. Um, for me, I always say to every single person, it doesn't matter who you are in any industry, content is very, very important. And I'm right. very lucky to be in that kind of industry where it's the demand. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, for me, I would say, number one, get a very professional looking Instagram profile. The last right. thing you want is cell phone photos of you taking photos of the foundation of a new real estate or an, an estate that you're building. So, um, you know, just in general, I would get either a photographer, videographer or content creator who's going to either be a graphic designer, they're going to create amazing looking images for you or you're going to go out there and you're going to be different to every single other person because right. being unique is also something that gets you standing out from the rest. How much content do people need to be putting out? How much energy would you recommend to put into social media? I mean, of course, there's a lot of elements into running a business. Yeah. Uh, but we can now sacrifice a lot of our previous marketing energy and, and literally go all out, put all of your cards on the table, go all in for social media. Yeah, I think that the one thing that people forget is the idea behind we're no longer advertising in newspapers and the yellow pages and that anymore. And that used to cost a fortune. So it's, it's actually very ironic when somebody comes to a photographer or a content creator and they give them the quotes and they say, why are you so expensive? You forget that you used to pay thousands just to have your name and your number in a yellow page book. Right. Whereas now today I'm producing, I'm creating, I'm coming up and I'm conceptualizing an idea of something to be unique and different so that you can stand out from everybody else. So, I mean, to answer your question, there's no real answer in terms of how much content. I'd rather be more consistent than just a once off the bat. So, yeah. I mean, consistency is key to me and whether you're posting once a week, twice a week, three times a week, it doesn't really matter to me as long as you're posting. Right. I understand. Yeah. Okay. I think that's some valuable information for social media. Um, so you, like me, as you said, you're a creative. You came out of school. You knew you weren't going to get a desk job. You knew you weren't going to go study at university to go become an attorney. I yeah. like that that was your first yeah, that that was your first go to. I wasn't going to become an attorney, <laughs> but you did manage to marry one. <laughs> yeah, they say opposites attract. So <laughs> I don't know how that ended up working out. But yeah, so the only time I'm ever going to be behind a desk is if there's a is if there's a computer in front of me and there is something that I did that is on that computer and it's not specifically accounts. <laughs> Look, I guess we're talking we're talking desk jobs. Uh, and the, the connotation for a desk job is to go work in a corporate and crunch some numbers and or Excel spreadsheets and or, you know, mm. emails all day, things like that. Yeah. But the reality is 
almost all jobs are behind a desk now, even our creative jobs. You, we sit behind a desk and we sit and edit behind a computer. 90% of the day. 90% <laughs> of the day you spend yeah. editing, right? Yeah. Look, at least we get to break it up a little bit, go outside, go to nice locations, do something creative and, and at least release that side of ourselves. You yeah. know, get, get some sort of creative juices flowing and feel feel fulfilled yeah. with their creative side. Whereas I'm exactly the same as you. I also came out of school knowing, okay, I need to do something creative. I went to a creative school. I went to the National School of the Arts. Oh, damn. Hot damn. And uh, I've ended up with an attorney myself, you know. So, hey, on the Instagram. Woo-woo. <laughs> Uh, I think that's, that's, so how that, that really personifies you is that you, you're always taking the opportunity to utilize Instagram. 100%, yeah. man. You, gotta, you just got to keep updating the people what you're busy with. And I find like it's so ironic because when I'm quiet, people end up sending me more DMs. And they're like, what is up? Why, where are you? What are you doing? And I feel like there's this connection to your followers that it's such a strange thing that you have to somehow come to terms with that you have to keep reminding people what you're up to well you certainly are now the media you know um social media really has become people's media you know we used to get all our information from tv we used to get all our entertainment and information from radio and things like that and we would develop relationships with the personalities there true you know um radio personalities of the 90s were the giant superstars of south africa true you know, and uh, you would develop a relationship with that person because you'd, you'd listen to them every day. And I think that's now having a bit of a renaissance on social media where you're, you're, the people you're following are people you've come across online. And it's a lot more niche. I think that's what needs to be spoken about as well. I think radio of the 90s, TV of the 90s was very broad. And I think advertisers would say, okay, we're looking for this demographic and the demographic was giant. Yeah. It was 20 to 30 uh, female. Yes. You know, that's, that's our demographic. It was, it was so huge. Yes. It, it didn't take into account your interests. It didn't take into account your, your background, your education or anything like that. And I think that's where we've come now with entertainment and content is that there's so much content available to us now that a successful content creator doesn't need to speak to a million people broadly, yeah. but to a smaller audience in a very specific way and actually provide them with very niche content. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you won't actually believe how many companies are actually looking for micro-influencers. So a micro-influencer is somebody who has probably less than 10,000 followers, maybe 5,000 followers. And it's purely because when you have that amount of audience following you, 10 to 1, it's very, very close friends, people who have an invested interest in you. Whereas a lot of people who have a higher amount of following, just like you said about the radio, you know, it's, it's, it's too broad of an audience where the product, whatever you're talking about, if you're talking about a product, it just ends up flying through majority of the people because they're right. not actually interested in the same things that you're interested in. So what you actually want to achieve is this balance of reach and and uh, relation, you know? Yes. So you, you, you get this massive reach, which is wonderful. You're reaching 
a huge audience. Yeah. But that need, that audience needs to be very relative to what you are putting out there as content, what you're putting out there as products. And then once again, if you're searching for an influencer as a product, they have to be very relative to what you're selling. Exactly. And um, I feel like, yeah, that is, that is something that um, I decided to stop chasing as well quite a quite a while ago, um, earlier this year even, where I stopped worrying about the amount of following that I got and I started worrying more about the engagement of my posts, the things that I'm posting about, the things that I'm querying about and the kind of content that I'm delivering to people. And uh, yeah, just, I just started noticing a massive influx in terms of a higher return rate when I stopped worrying about the followers because now I started gaining the people who were actually interested in what I was doing. Right. So while we're talking about social media, what is Vodcast TV's Instagram again? I can't find it. At Vodcast TV. No spaces. No underscores, spaces or anything like that. Did you change the logo because there's just a V now? It's not It's a black V. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was looking for the green V. No, it's a black background with a white V. That's the one. Found it. There we go. Got to tag you, you know. This is very interesting for people who are just listening. And yeah, not actually yeah, watching not on YouTube. <laughs> True. Uh, anyway, uh, this episode, luckily enough, we can edit. So we can chop all of that out if we want to. If we wanted to. If we want to. But this is the raw, real vodcast TV. I quite like an authentic conversation. Um, let's, let's get into, let me just describe a little bit about what my, uh, what my philosophy was coming here. Uh, first of all, instead of building a broadcaster setup, so I'm sure many people will have seen uh, some photos or videos from a radio station. Yes. Very hard gloss, very light, yes. uh, very bright. And the desks seem to have a bit of a flow. So uh, this is to fit in all the equipment, especially for music jocks. So if you work for a music radio station, you have one or two or three sets of mixing desks in yeah. front of you. Uh, all of which have triggers and cues and big lights and you have three or four monitors in front of you so that you can see what's coming up and a giant clock. Yes. Now the giant clock is the biggest killer of real creativity. That giant clock is the biggest killer of an authentic conversation. Your radio presenter on a music radio station actually can't have an honest, authentic conversation with you or with a guest. Yeah, everything is, is literally tied down to the minute. That's exactly it. So first of all, if you're on a station that's hugely popular, like a 947, um, and privately owned, you know, so the publicly owned guys, they seem to have a little bit less uh, advertisers. Yes. Just purely because of a mismanagement standpoint. But the privately owned radio stations, they are so tightly scheduled that they need to reach this this real niche market and how the radio industry works is they have these advisors who go around and try and figure out what's coming, how people think, how they work. And one of the things they came up with a few years ago was that people don't want to speak to radio presenters anymore. They don't want to be told from this authority figure what the story is. Yeah. Now, I think they were hugely flawed in that investigation because that was actually the whole strength. That's what radio had going for them, these larger-than-life personalities. And their research came down to, oh, people like speaking to people who are just their friends. 
Well, that's because of social media because they are actually speaking authentically to their friends, people just like them. Yeah. So what's going to get you away from social media and back to radio if you're speaking to someone who just sounds like your friend? Yeah. Um, so the whole system is really flawed from the very beginning. They started trying to bring in radio presenters who sort of just sound a little bit like you, sound yeah. a little bit like your buddy. And then they restrained by this system, this format, this very formatted system. You've got a three-hour show. You play this song, this song, this song. After that, you get to speak for five minutes about your content. Go approve your content with your producer beforehand. Then it's the news. Then it's traffic. Then it's advertisers. Then it's more music. Then it's, you can't have an authentic conversation anymore. Yeah. And I think that's where, where talk radio probably has a little bit of success left in it. Although our options are very newsy. So if you're not interested in politics, there's no talk radio available oh, yeah, for you. Yeah. You know? And I think that's where podcasts have come in such a huge way now. A few podcasts have been around for a really long time. Yeah. But in terms of their popularity, we're sort of in the age of the podcast. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I feel like that's why I said I want to try and target a little bit of everyone. And that by doing that, by bringing somebody different onto the show every single week, that will just kind of spread out, get the word out there, and people will be more interested. Also, if I were to get six photographers consecutively on the show, I think people would get bored. Because at the same time, what are photographers going to be talking about? Photography. Right. So just like you said, majority of talk radio stations, any of that kind of, you know, where you're trying to find that, it's literally political or it's depressing because now they're talking about some sort of, <laughs> you know, it's just one thing after another. Why can't my dog do this? Or why are our parks looking like this? So, you know, that is what's going to keep it very, very different. And it's going to just keep the energy up. So the whole philosophy for Vodcast TV was to have these real authentic conversations, have them long format. Uh, you, you stick on a pair of headphones and it's amazing how much you get soaked in to yeah. the conversation. So we're actually in a very busy shopping mall right now. Yeah. If I just look to my right, you look to your left, we're looking through a window yeah. at tons of people just walking by, walking by, yes. walking by here at Rosebank Mall. Uh, shout out to Rosebank Mall, by the way. Thank you very much for giving us some space here. Um, Shameless puns. Shameless puns. <laughs> um, so, but you find yourself, you, you do get drawn back into the conversation. Yeah. Because. There's such you, a little distraction, actually. Right. Hey? I, That's I, crazy, I think actually. so as well. And I think that was part of the whole philosophy. I think it was a very important part to, for me developing this space. Yes. Was that we actually had a dining table and we're having a very authentic conversation it's just like as if we sat across from one another we actually sat across from one another like this for a good half hour or an hour before we started the podcast yeah and, we and the conversation <laughs> was very similar yeah it's not changed much since the microphones and the cameras turned pretty on. much well all we did was we decided we have to actually start recording Record. that's exactly otherwise right. we would have been here all night just having this exact conversation, but having never recorded it. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, we're sitting at a dining room table. The only only thing that pisses me off is there's no food on the table. Right. So we should be getting something <laughs> in. If yeah, some food, yeah. some cups of coffee. Get a couple like buckets that. here with chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, man. But like, I, I think, you know, just exactly, you know, reiterating what you said, none of this was planned. 
that's the beauty of it. You know, we sat down and we said, okay, cool. Well, you know, I'm going to be doing this vodcast soon. Let's talk about it. We didn't script it. We didn't come through and say, okay, cool. Well, here's a few pointers we could talk about. We actually didn't know we were going to have this conversation until about 4 p.m. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. Uh, what, an hour and a half before we started recording, you sent me a message said, ESCOM's load shed, my yeah, house. Yeah, exactly. Know, uh, I'm free, let's have a chat. Yeah. We came through and we just had a chat. Yeah. I think that's very different, at least from my experience in radio. So in my history in radio, uh, a lot of our stuff, our content, uh, which was excellent and I really enjoyed it. It really is a good way to do radio is to be overly prepared. Yeah. And the real skill in that and obviously doing a show with Patrick Hayworth, who for me is one of the best in the, yeah, in the business legend. doing that, uh, at doing this very specifically, mm. is taking pre-planned content and delivering it as if it was off the cuff, as if you having a conversation just like we are, where we, yes. we don't know, we, we never said to each other, look, we're going to talk about this, 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 and structure it. Yeah. Whereas on radio, we used to do that. Yeah. That's, that's how we used to present radio. It would all be pre-planned. We'd say, okay, we've got this and this and this. This is how we're even going to end the conversation on this word, cut to song. Yeah. As soon as I say this word, cut to song. Crazy. That's how planned it was. But Patrick was an absolute master at delivering it as if it was off the cuff as if it was two buddies just having a conversation. I know you were a big fan of our show when we we started with internet radio on yes. Ocean Vibe. This is seven years ago now. Seven years ago. That's exactly wow, seven years ago. time flies. Well, this is before you started your own independent business as yeah, well. Yeah, because yeah, I was still working for a company as a graphic designer and I'd come through during lunch breaks and see you guys. Yeah, that was crazy. That's It's been a while. It's been a long time. So this was the days of internet radio. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say that that failed, yeah. the show. And I think not not to hammer on it at the creators of the format or anything like that. I think it, they were being innovative at the time. It certainly was innovative to an extent. But the big problem was that as much as it was innovative just in terms of the space, we didn't innovate in terms of the content. Yeah. We just wanted to come across as another 5FM, another 947, another radio station, yeah. but now based on the internet. Now, what motivates someone to go and seek you out on the internet when you're another one of those, when you're another 947, when you're another 5FM? Yeah. Whereas I can just access that content already. By turning on the radio. Exactly. So I think that's where you had to be different. Yeah. And that's probably where we fell a bit short. Although we did, we had mild success. Yeah. From an internet radio standpoint at the time, we were one of the top, if not the top station in, or top show in South Africa at the time. Yeah. Um, but once again, very difficult. The format uh, didn't agree with it. And I think it perhaps was also a little bit early for South Africa from a data perspective. Yes. Uh, we've come leaps and blounds. Leaps and blounds. <laughs> we've come leaps and bounds with our bandwidth since then. Yeah, I mean, that's something I wanted to actually touch bases with now. It's you can't always blame yourself. When you're talking about seven years ago that you had an internet radio station, that's crazy. Mm. Mm. I think we were... We were bragging about four megs per second, ADSL. Right, right, right. So right. nowadays I've got- and no such thing as uncapped data. A hundred percent. And I mean, I showed you yesterday, I've got a dongle that I carry with me now from evening at 11, at 11 p.m. all the way up until 6 p.m. 
full day, unlimited data, up to like something like 80 megabytes per second. So, you know, I think we've definitely come a long way from that. I think you guys were innovative and you did see what was there. And in a sense, we're doing that now. We're podcasting and people are accessing it through internet, whether it's on YouTube or if we put this on podcast. Well, it is certainly going up on the podcast apps, Google Podcasts, Podcasts on Apple, uh, Spotify as well. Yeah. Um, So it is going to all of the podcast networks. So it is an audio version. Um, and then it is also the video version as well. Yeah. So this is actually where the name Vodcast TV came from. It's I wanted to clearly differentiate. If you Google the description of a podcast, it does include video. Yeah. However, I don't sort of perceive it that way. So this was the whole thinking behind Vodcast TV. It was to really hit home at the video element of the podcast that we really wanted to introduce video in a huge way. I think... Video content, firstly, is massively appealing. I think that you've got access to video content all the time on the very popular networks uh, between Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, where you can put short bites of this content for people to access. Yeah. Then on the longer-term format, a lot of people have desk jobs, these horrible desk jobs that we were talking about earlier, where they're sitting at a desk doing their work. So what content are they accessing during that time? Yeah. Well, you can always be on YouTube. A lot of people have a second monitor. Even if not, you know, you don't have to be watching the video to be using the video content. You can be listening to the audio and just switching over when, hey, listen, what are they talking about right now? Yeah. That, that I feel relates to actually seeing the video. True. And uh, I think the thing that excites me so much about the idea of vodcast is, I mean, like I said, I'm going to have various people on the show. And mm. as I bring a photographer on here, I'm going to ask him to bring his gear and talk about his favorite lens and he's able to show the people and, you know, maybe show something specific. And whatever it is, whoever I bring, we're able to show the audience right. what we're doing. Yeah, and then obviously then you still, I think what, what's really key about it and it's something that we haven't mentioned is that it gives the power to the listener. Yeah. It gives power to the consumer. Where the audience has the power to decide, right, I want to listen to Carl on my way to work while I'm sitting in traffic. Now, obviously, I can't watch him at that time. I can't go onto his Insta, hold my phone up and hear what he has to say. But I can subscribe to his podcast. It automatically downloads when I'm on a Wi-Fi network. And there it is, saved on my phone. Get into the car, plug into USB or AUX or Bluetooth or however you listen to your content in the car. And you literally play and pause from where you left off. Yeah. You know, CD, so, tapes, we don't judge. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what I really like about it, and for me as a consumer, why I listen to a lot of podcasts is that I don't miss out on all the content if I'm not available at 9 p.m. Yeah. You know, I, I still have access to that show. If I'm halfway through that show, I can carry on with it in two weeks' time. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of the internet. It's the easy accessibility, Mm. whether you're across the world or next door to me, you're able to watch that any time of the day. Right. Which is great. Of course. So, your podcast. What are we thinking? Have we come any closer to a name? I don't think so, man. The Carl van Escape. It's it's too cliche, though, man. The Carl van Escape podcast, too cliche? Yeah. Escapeness, it just doesn't relate to you enough. Yeah. Not really, hey. Scafeness. I don't the know. The KVP. Uh, <laughs> now, so do you do that? Do you do KV as your initials? No, never. Is it KVS? KVDS. 
KVDS. KVDS. Yeah, Carl Van Derskave. See, Portuguese. Draft time like with the KVDS. Right? <laughs> Draft time. Draft time. Yeah. Uh, except most people won't even be driving when they're accessing your no, content. Probably not. Yeah. So I think that was one of my big dreams, actually. Now that you bring up drive time, I think that was one of my major ambitions was to be a host of a drive show, like drive or breakfast show, you know. And I yeah. think anyone who's in the radio platform, I think that's their ambition. Yeah, to that's get onto like, a massive, get onto a five FM or something like that, and and have the breakfast show on five. Yeah, that's, that's the pinnacle huge. of success. But it isn't anymore. No, it it really isn't. I think if you, what I really like about podcasting is it gives a real personality the opportunity to own their own format to own their own podcast. yeah i think that's another big philosophy of mine is that radio the technology has given radio to the people yeah it's instead of you having to get your content from who's able to supply it to you you're able to create your own content and give it to your friends and family. And whether you have tens of thousands of listeners or a hundred listeners or a million listeners is irrelevant because now it belongs to you. The beauty in it though is the idea that anybody can do it. Right. And I mean, I think about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, how difficult it was for you to have to go into radio. You had Wackett who was mopping the floors kind of idea and he built himself up throughout the entire, his entire career Whereas this is what I want to talk about as well is monetizing the idea of being on a platform and you could literally start tonight and you just need one person to discover you that has some sort of threshold or carry on their followers or their platform and they share your content and it just, that's it. It's game over. And it might take, it might take longer (laughs) than a night. It might take a week. It might take a year, but the idea that there's that possibility your, the door is open for you at the radio station any day, any time. Right. I think the biggest element of that would have to be the ability that you have to own it. Yes. You know that you are the master of your universe. You know, you, you have complete control over where this takes you. You have complete control over the amount of work you put in and the amount of return you get for that work rather than having to go and listen to the Mr. Format bangers at a radio station <laughs> and uh, or to go be a VJ at MTV or yeah, something yeah. along those lines, you know, where you had to sort of, this is our format, this is what we talk about, the, this is our audience, so therefore you do all of this. Instead of actually authentically creating a real product that you are prepared to be proud of and to really make your own, And I think that's what people are attracted to as well. I think that listeners now see through the facade of that we're creating something for you, you know, like this because we've told you to like this. Yes. I think it's why Spotify is popular and Apple Music is popular. Um, I think it's why MySpace created artists. Yes. I think that technology is the new revolution of what the 1970s were for music in particular. Yeah. So... I think all through the 1940s and 50s and 60s as well, um, the radio stations had command over what people listened to. 
you know, the big corporations sort of said, this is who we're going to be playing. The studio sent us this album. This is what we're launching this summer. And this is what's going to be popular. Yeah. And in the 1970s, there was a little bit of the, the drug usage revolution, you know, acid and mushrooms and stuff really changed music. You look at people like Jimi Hendrix, yeah. who changed the sound of guitar forever. Mm. And although it was massively influenced by psychedelic drugs, it changed music forever. Yeah. And uh, I think what happened is the consumer craved that on such a massive level, that uh, especially young people, that radio stations were forced to hire radio presenters who can speak their language. Yes. And therefore radio DJs in the 1970s in the United States in particular had incredible power the actual radio presenter themselves, mm. not people who owned radio stations or anything like the presenter themselves had the power to play what they wanted. Yeah. They would get a million demo tapes from everyone who wanted to try and make it. Cause if that DJ played your song, you're going to be huge. Yeah. And they would go through all the demo tapes and they would literally decide they, they had the power over music. And then therefore the people actually decided where the power in music was. Here's another thing that a lot of people don't know about radio is that when you're in radio, you go to all of the big studios, all the all the production houses and things, uh, the EMIs and the Sony BMGs of this world, and they give you music for the year. Yes. For the entire year. This is how it's worked from the 1980s, 90s, and throughout the 2000s, and only now is it starting to change again because of the internet's influence on music. But they would provide you with music for the year, and they would say to you on the 10th of March this year you start playing this song. And we would all think that we liked the music we liked because we liked it. Yeah. But we were told what to like. We yeah. were very much influenced into deciding what we liked. You know, yeah. uh, all these massive hits that came out from the Simon Cowles of this world, that's because the, the propaganda machine of corporations sort of put all this music out there to you and, and they chose the time of year to give it to you and completely influenced what music you were going to like, what was going to be a hit and what wasn't going to be a hit. And I think the wonderful thing about the internet is that it's given us the power to know what music we like again. Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you look at Spotify and iTunes. If you don't like the song, you skip it. That's it. And that's it. you create your own playlist. And if you don't like the song, it's not going to be in your playlist. And if it somehow accidentally stumbles across and ends up on your playlist, you remove it and you never have to listen to it again. You're also not influenced by this multi-genre movement where, once again, radio stations are trying to appeal to millions of people. Yes. Now, this is where internet radio became very interesting. And I think this is before streaming uh, things like Spotify where you would build your own playlists and things. You look at the massive internet radio stations, which are in the mold of traditional radio, successful ones are stations like a state of trance where it's a trance radio station very niche very genre specific yeah so that everyone who listens to it is just interested in finding new trance music yeah you get rock radio stations now this is something that obviously is, has happened in the u.s for a long time where the cities are so massive that they're able to have a jazz radio station a rock radio station mm. pop radio station etc etc something that we didn't really have a lot of access to here yeah. in south africa um, but like a rock radio station, for example, very successful at uh, setting off alarms. <laughs> of course not. It's your alarm. No, it's actually one of the stores next door. Okay. So I think that 
if you, you, you've already developed normally in your teen years a taste for music and a very specific genre. And I think that's where Spotify, et cetera, is great, is that you're not only hunting for new music and artists that you don't know already, but you're hunting specifically in your genre. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's the thing. You've got a plethora of options out there with anything these days, not even just music specifically. Right, and I think that's, that's, that's the change. And that's, like you said, it's giving them the power and that's what's great about podcasts as well. I mean, you have the power to do what you want. Right. So if course. I feel like there's a demand for photography, I'm going to speak photography. If there's a demand for freelancing and how you can grow your own business within the first two years and be a success, I'm going to speak about that. Which is something I really like. I like the idea of, but once again, maybe it's because of that's what appeals to me. But I also see a massive market for that. I think one of the other big influences the internet has had on the world is, is it's taken down... Um, the ability of corporations to rule. You know, it's uh, given the small individual the opportunity to go and start their own business, go and hustle, go and make a life for yourself and go and get your name out there and become as big as one of the big corporations. I think that the internet has made more women millionaires than anything else. Yeah. And a lot of it comes from women who have babies. Yes. They find a flaw in the equipment that they're using for their children and they say, hey, hold on, wouldn't it be more convenient for a pram to be like this? They develop a pram and thanks to the power of the internet, they're able to become an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's mind-blowing. The idea behind just having an unlimited amount of options to be successful is crazy. And I think, you know, if, if you're not successful or if you somehow opt out of being successful and you just call it quits, that's on you. Because you can try something today, but tomorrow there'll be something else. And I think that's the same with what you've done here. You've seen there's a, a demand for podcasts. Right. And everybody wants to do it. Nobody can afford it. Nobody can afford to create a really good studio like what you've done. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference where you've seen that now and you're able to supply this to all of us who actually desire it or really need it in order for our businesses to get to that next level. I'm definitely not a hero. This is definitely a for-profit business. Um, so it, it's not a big charity thing that I'm looking to do here. But I do understand that the, the appeal to it as well is to, to save people. Hey, man, I didn't save charity, hey? Yeah, I said you, you've seen the gap in the market and right, that's, where, that's like a Coca-Cola, you yeah. know, where people need it. But once again, it's one of those things where the same as the wealthy purchase the property and rent it out to people. Right. People are paying almost 80% of what the bond would cost, but the bank won't give them the money that rest to so, purchase it. Yeah, therefore. So this guy owns 20, 30 properties and he rents them out. Uh, I think that's definitely a big thing, especially from the past. Uh, the banks have tightened up a little bit on in terms of lending you money when you're renting out properties. Yes. Where the rental is covering the cost of, a lot of the time you actually have to be able to prove that you have enough income yeah. to cover the cost of those properties. Yeah. So a lot of the guys that you're seeing with 20, 30 properties either have a massive amount of money, came into a lot of money, cash capital to put down on all of these properties, or they did it a long time ago and were able to develop all the properties over time. Yeah. I think that's that's always going to be one of the, the big investments yeah. 
in time. I think uh, we're always going to need space. We're always going to need a place to stay. I think that's always going to be a big investment. But I'm really happy with this. I'm really excited about this. Uh, and really happy to have had you as our first guest. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to see what we're going to create here. I'm really excited for your podcast. I'm just as excited. I'm hoping that I can get some important and interesting people on here because I don't want to just be talking to myself every day. I could listen to you, but don't worry about <laughs> it. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, my boy.